Welcome to the Get Your Writing Done podcast. I'm Trevor Thrall, author of the 12-week year for writers. Have you ever thought about writing a book, but weren't sure you could? Or maybe should? Today's episode tells the story of what happened when two guys who do not think of themselves as writers decided to write a book. Today, I interview my good friend, Michael Lennington, co-creator of the 12-week year system and co-author with Brian Moran of the New York Times bestselling book, The 12-Week Year. You'll hear Mike talk about how he and Brian came up with the idea to write the 12-week year and about what an amazing impact it had on their business. You'll also hear the surprising story of how much harder it was for them to write their new book than they thought it would be. Along the way, Mike drops a lot of wisdom and insight about the many challenges writers face. Mike Lennington, welcome Trevor. to the podcast. Thank you. How Thank you doing? Looking forward to this. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Oh, super well. Thank you. Good. Thank you. All right. So, uh, you know, most of the listeners of the podcast know what the 12-week year is, at least, if they're not already using it every day. Um, but I'm guessing most people uh, don't know the full backstory of how the 12-week year came to exist, and in particular, why you and Brian chose to write a book. Uh, about it. So, Mike, if you could take us back a few decades, uh, well, maybe only two or so. Two decades, um, not quite three. Yeah, two, two decades. And and just tell us a little bit about how, how you guys came up with the idea and, and then the idea for the book. Well, um, Brian and I were working in a company um, at the time that was called Strategic Breakthroughs, and <clears throat> it was our company. And we worked with our clients to help them accomplish better results in their businesses. That's kind of what consultants do. And in the beginning, um, we thought that we could come in with these good ideas about how to do things more effectively. But what we learned pretty quickly was that most of our clients that we were working with already had a lot of great ideas. Their problem wasn't the idea. It was taking the idea and actually implementing it. So we decided to focus on the implementation or the execution side of the business rather than the new idea side. And that really made a huge difference for us because that was a huge problem for our clients. Um, we got great results with them and we learned as we, as we worked with them and we figured out what worked and what didn't. And so we began to put together a system. And in the beginning, we didn't call it a 12 week year. We called it periodization and um, we changed the name. I'll tell you why we changed the name later, but uh, periodization is a, um, it's a, it's a sports sort of training regimen. And it focuses you in on the key aspects of your sport, the key skill sets that it really takes to be successful in your sport, whether it's bike racing, weightlifting, wrestling, whatever. And it, it overloads you on those key skills. So you'll focus on one thing for a few weeks or four or five weeks, and then you'll move to the next and the next and the next. So instead of kind of broadly or practicing everything kind of in the same week, you just practice one thing and you overload on that. So um, Lance Armstrong, when he was with the postal U S postal team, um, when he was winning the tour de France it wasn't all chemical. What they used to use is, is the periodization process to train and it really helped them to break through as a team. So we, one of our clients was a bike racer. We'd never heard of periodization, but one of our clients was a bike racer, introduced us to the concept. And we thought, wow, this is really great. Um, but it's for sports. We'd have to adapt it for business. And so we spent some time kind of thinking through how do we take this short time frame? How do we take this kind of focused period of time where you're focused on just a few things to get better at and apply that in business? And so we built out what we call periodization for business. And um, we, we started basically delivering that as a process to our clients. And we wrote a book called periodization 12 weeks to breakthrough. That was our first book. 
and um, you know, we self-publish. And so we were looking on our bookshelves. What's, what's a really cool looking cover that's simple that we could duplicate just to get the cover done. And, and we saw this book, I forget who it was by now, but it had three stripes. It was like blue, gold, and some other color. And we said, that's it. So we, we created our cover and, and got the book periodization out there. Um, we sold quite a few copies of that self-published book, but um, one of our clients came up to us and said, you know, periodization sounds like a gum disease. And that wasn't the, that was sort of the final straw because periodization was one of those things you had to explain what it was. Right. And so we wrote the book kind of to explain what periodization was. And that's the reason behind the book itself. And then we realized that periodization wasn't clear to anybody. So um, this is, this is a weird story, but we used to go to Chinese restaurants to eat lunch, Brian and I every day almost. And, um, you know, I said, why don't we name our book like a Chinese restaurant is named, right? It's got, it tells you what's inside the store. Right. You go, you're not going to go in there and expect filet mignon. You're not going to look for some, some great Italian food. You're going to get Chinese food. And that's what it says right above the door. Chinese restaurant. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, we decided to name our book kind of like a Chinese restaurant. And that's where the 12 week year book title came out. So we've self-published periodization, tweaked a little bit, self-published 12 week year. And um, that was that our, our business just took off. So that, that's a great story. I, I didn't know all that stuff. Um, great to learn. So tell me a little bit about the actual writing of the book. Uh, did you guys, in fact, use the 12-week year system to write the 12-week year? Yeah, we did. Um, so if you're familiar with the 12-week year system, you know that there's these, these time blocks that we apply. There's, there's buffer blocks, strategic blocks, and breakout blocks. And so we would create strategic blocks, which are blocks of time where you don't take any interruptions. You don't, you don't take phone calls. You don't answer emails. You just stay focused on one thing. And we would, we would schedule a couple, maybe three of those in a week. And we would write one chapter, right? And then we would edit a chapter. So I'd write a chapter, send it to Brian. Brian would write a chapter, send it to me. We would edit it. And then we begin to send back and forth the edits. But basically we were using those time blocks to, to get the, the chapters done, get the book done and, and get it all put together. And so um, the 12 week year time blocking was really helpful. Plus we had tactics every week in our plan to, to do certain parts of the, of the book. And so we would get together and, and, and execute the wham with, with uh, the book plan as well. So we used the 12 week year to, act, to write the book 12 week year. And it took you well, it, it took us 12 weeks, but, but <laughs> we didn't get quite done until the 13th week, but there's actually 13 weeks in a 12 week That's year. Right. So it kind of counts. I like it. I, I mean, that there's some poetic, you know, sort of appropriateness to, to writing the 12 week year in, in 12 weeks. I mean, yeah. not that I would have held it against you. I, I certainly didn't write 12 week year for writers in 12 weeks, but, <laughs> um, but I, I like the, the symbolism there. Um, and so, you know, I know a lot of people listening um, to this podcast are people who have not yet written a book. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe they've been thinking about it for a while. Um, you know, and, and we're talking about people sort of all across the spectrum, fiction, nonfiction, you know, what have you. Um, you're obviously working in the, the nonfiction and kind of business arena. But, uh, you know, I've argued to anyone who will listen that, you know, writing a book can be transformative for you um, in so many ways. And so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what, you know, how did having a book published um, change things for you guys? That's a great question. Um, you know, like I said, we, we, we had a hard time explaining what we did to our clients. So, um, you know, it, it's one of those things when you're, you're doing a cold call and you've got to, you know, take a 15 minute process to explain what you do. It's, it's kind of hard <laughs> to create the interest in that. So we thought, how do we, how do we communicate what, what it is that we do clearly and concisely? And we thought we'd write a book. So that's really where the idea came from was to write a book based upon what we did. And because we were, um, uh, 
helping our clients to get more done and execute more effectively, we felt like we needed to write the book in such a way that they could take the book just by itself and apply it and get benefit from it. So that was our intent when we started with the book, communicate well, but also help our clients. And um, so when we wrote the book, we wrote it in 12 weeks and um, we, we were doing the 12 week process because we were headed to an industry um, meeting, which it was, a, it was an annual meeting that we were in financial services um, and it's called LAMP. It's run by Gamma and it's where vendors come and they have displays. Um, they have, they have um, uh, you know, just little, little cubicles where they set up their stuff and, and explain to people walking through the, the, uh, the room, what you do. Um, and then they have, they have presentations and a lot of the leaders in financial services go to that meeting. So more detail than you want, but we intentionally wanted to get the book for that meeting because we wanted to hand out the book at the meeting. And so Brian and I were debating, do we, do we print 50 books? Do we print a hundred books? Cause neither one of us really wanted to have boxes of books in our, yeah. in our garage or in our basement. Right. So we took a risk and we printed a hundred, a hundred copies and um, we took them to uh to lamp and we had our booth and we we um had the books there and we sold some and we gave away some but by the end of the end of the session or end of the three days we'd given away or sold all of our books and i was glad because i meant i need to put them back in my briefcase <laughs> or my, my suitcase and so anyway um that was it you know it was just a way to kind of get our name out there get people familiar with what we did and then we went back to work and you know a week or two went by and then all of a sudden i got a book order came in we were smart enough by the way in this pro tip make it a way for them to understand where they go to order more books. If you're going to write a book and self publish, make sure, you know, uh, they know how to get to So we created an order form and put it in the back of the book and got our first book order. And I you know, went over to Brian's and said, Hey, look, we got a book order. I think it's great. Yeah, that's fun. And we thought it was, that was it. Right. Um, and then, you know, a couple more book orders came in and then we got a 500 book order from um, a company. I guess I can share the name. It's New York life. And they bought 500 copies of our book wow. for, for one of their offices out in the West coast. And, um, it's like, holy cow, this is, this is amazing. And then we kept getting these huge book orders. We ended up selling, I lost count because I was the guy managing the process and I, I really wasn't the book fulfillment guy, but I was. <laughs> so, um, you know, we had a contract with a printer and all that stuff, but, but we sold somewhere between 175 and 225,000 oh, self-published book um, oh, in its two forms. One was 12 week year. One was, one was uh, periodization. So that's a lot of changed our business because, because we haven't had to market I mean, we do market, but we haven't really had a market. We haven't had to, um, you know, go out and explain what we do. Right. All of our leads right. in the last 20 years have come from the book. Our yeah. whole business, yeah. every one of our big clients, Mass Mutual, New York Life and others, all of them came from that book. Yeah. And, and do you find that having written a book, people sort of treat you differently when they see you? They yeah, sort of yeah, make they, certain assumptions rightly or wrongly about you? <laughs> yeah. I, th I think back before I was an author... And, I, and when somebody would say that they've written a book, I think I'd just be so impressed. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, do you even like want to talk to me? Cause you're, you're so successful and all that. I learned a lot since then. It's not quite that <laughs> way, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, people do kind of treat you differently and, and uh, you know, yeah. we got lucky enough when we published with Wiley to go New York times bestseller. And so I don't even tell people I'm, a, I'm an author at New York times bestselling author. I never say that to people um, because it's just, it's just weird in a conversation. It's like, yeah, it's like if you, went to Harvard and you dropped the fact that you went to Harvard and yeah. it's like, you know, did you really have to go there? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, just that doesn't come up in conversation. No, it? it does not. It yeah. does not, but it's still incredibly impressive. And you know, what a tent pole for your guys' business to have a book out sort of leading the way, you know, educating the marketplace so that when you come along, people are already ready 
to trust you, ready to learn from you, ready, you know, excited to work with you in a way that, you know, you would have had to do all that legwork from scratch, which with each customer, if you didn't have this book out there. And so it's, it's a tremendous tool for people, but it's also obviously really good for you guys. Uh, And for, you know, I think for a lot of businesses, especially these days as, you know, sort of expert run businesses are getting to be even a, a bigger and, and bigger thing. Yeah. So, so, all right, fast forward, you know, however many years we're, we're talking now and, and you wrote a field guide for, mm-hmm. for the 12 week year, which yep. also did really well. Yep. Um, and then you guys got the cockamamie idea to, to write yet another book. Yeah. What were you thinking? I don't know. Um, I certainly would rethink what I thunk back then if I could. Um, because the first 12-week year book that we wrote, Periodization in the 12-week year, we were just writing about what we already did. In fact, we had trainings developed. So we, we actually had modules for each of the chapters and we delivered that training to our clients. And so we'd already thought through the, the logic flow and the sequencing of everything. So it was really easy to write that first book. And I think, I think it sort of gave us the impression that we could write another book just as easily. Sure. Um, this book did not take 13 weeks to complete. We just completed it last week. Thank heavens. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but but it, it was a lot longer. Now, both Brian and I um, moved during the book. So I moved from Lexington to just south of Louisville. Brian moved from Lansing out to Phoenix. So we both had huge moves. Um, you know, it's, it's just been uh, a lot a of stuff going schedule. on. Yeah. yeah. A lot of stuff going on in the midst of the book. And so, you know, it's really, it's really interesting because where the, the first book was really focused, the second book kind of became diffused because of all the things going on in our personal life. So it'd be yeah. more, more than just the moves. There was other stuff that was happening too. So. Yeah. Well, it's been a, a fairly bizarre last couple of years in the world in general. And, and I think, yeah. you know, for, for most people, you know, working from home or, you know, the change in schedules and, uh, you know, I think a lot of writers too, you know, even people who do work a lot at home, um, you know, just sort of the gloomy global mood has put a, put a real dampener on, on a lot of people's ability to sort of sit down and write, because that takes maybe a certain amount of energy that the world has kind of sucked out of a lot of people over the past 18 months or or two years or whatever. So, so for sure. So, um, so compare the writing process. Like, did you guys try to use the same kind of process? Did you switch gears and how you approach writing it? What was the and you need to do more research on this one. Is that sort of, uh, do I understand that right? All that stuff's true. Yeah. I think, I think the first book, because I, like, like I said, we'd already figured it out before we wrote it. It was easy to write. I mean, we weren't, weren't really, Brian and I are not authors. I mean, we are because we've written some books, but <laughs> that's not our core focus. Um, but the first book was so easy to write that I think we got a little bit complacent with the second book. So um, the, the second book or the third book, I'm sorry. And the book we just finished is a book about accountability and accountability is one of the chapters or a couple of the chapters in the 12 week year book. And we, we, we have this view of accountability that's different than how most people see it. And so um, we decided to write a book about that because in our trainings, that's one of the things that for a lot of leaders and individuals, that's, that's a big aha for them in terms of mm-hmm. that. So we thought, well, why don't we put that in on paper so that they don't have to come to a training. We can, we can get it out to people. So that's really where the book came from. And what, what was interesting was because we were doing research, because we were, we were kind of figuring some of the concepts out as we were writing them, because, you know, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a 
a high level view of accountability you can kind of talk about and train on. But, but when you really get down to the depths of a concept like accountability, there's a lot of things that kind of come into play there. Accountability is one of those kind of core, I don't know if you call it a value, but it, it's one of those core things that, that if you, if you are predominantly accountable, your life goes on this trajectory. If you're not primarily accountable, it goes in a different trajectory. And it's, and it's um, all based upon the choices that you make, the decisions and the actions you take that, that create those two trajectories. And so, but because it's, it's, it's such a kind of fundamental concept, there's a lot of things that touch it. So we, we underestimated the amount of work that was going to be in terms of researching stuff, um, you know, to try to not, to not, you know, it's one thing to just kind of anecdotally say stuff. It's another thing to kind of support that with, you know, with research and not that we put all that research in the book, I don't want to turn anybody off, but we had to look through the research before we would say something to make sure that we weren't kind of off base. So that was one thing. Um, The other thing was because it, it wasn't something that we had necessarily trained. There was a lot more writing and rewriting and there was a lot more editing and, you know, kind of de- debate because there's two authors here. I mean, that's the challenge with this book. Yes. If I was by myself, I don't have to convince myself, you know, I'm not like going to have this kind of two-way argument with myself. I try not to do that very often. Um, <laughs> but Brian and I would, would, would really have to come together. And, and so we would have these long philosophical debates, which were fun, but they were time consuming. And, yeah. and we, you know, we had to get down to the, to the, to the base level of what we agreed on before we could build the book. Mm-hmm. And so I know I'm, I'm talking a lot, but what, what, we, what we didn't anticipate was number one, how easy the first book was to write because of what the preparation was before it, even yeah. though it wasn't intentional, but it was preparation. This book, we didn't have that. Yeah. And so um, it took us a lot longer than we thought. Um, there was a lot of personal disruption in both of our lives to the, to the last, um, for a lot of people, obviously. Um, and it, it, it just really kind of created the perfect storm to make this book the opposite yeah. <laughs> of the 12-week year. Absolutely. We used the 12-week year. We had tactics in the plan. Yeah. Right. We still did that. But what ended up happening is that the things that were in the plan took longer than we anticipated. Absolutely. So there'd be tactics, but yeah. instead of a day or two, it'd right. be a week or two or a right. month. Absolutely. And 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 you know, as anyone who has used the 12-week year knows, uh, you know, this is one of the things that you have to build as a skill as you learn to implement it, is the ability to adjust your plan as you learn new things about the project you're undertaking. And I and I always tell people with their writing projects, you know your first set of plans is always going to be your best guess, but it's not going to be reality. Yes. And so, yeah, you, you need to be able to adjust not only to learning how the project unfolds, but especially when you have a long project like this, life is going to intervene. Life isn't going to you know be stable for 12 months in a row and your schedule is going to stay perfectly the same and all that sort of stuff. So I know you guys in, encountered all sorts of ups and downs uh, you know, over the last year where that's going to put a hole in anyone's 12-week plan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, because we had a contract and yeah. we, we wanted to complete the contract, there was a, there was mm-hmm. a, a, a clear goal that we had in mind. Yeah. Um, we stuck with it, yep. but I, but, you know, I know that there's a lot of people that have start a project like this and they don't necessarily have any kind yeah. of commitment to it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and not that they're, they have anything less important to say, it's just that they don't, they don't necessarily follow through, don't get it done. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, absolutely. what I think really helped with both books because you know we had a contract with Wiley and for the first one and then the second one and the third one um, is that they kind of want you to get the book done, yeah. right? 
And so they start um, calling and emailing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an accountability partner in some ways. Absolutely. And, and also, you know, we want the book to be successful and publishers don't want you to miss deadlines. I mean, and not just publishers, but also the big, the big outlets for books that, you know, the channels that, that the books go through, they don't want you to be late with the book because they're planning their sales too. So, you know, there's a lot of commitment to that. So we, we leverage that to get, to get it across the finish line. In fact, in fact, um, quick story, I got sick four weeks before I was, we were supposed to deliver the book and I was out for two weeks, literally Ugh. out for two weeks. And so I, I thought I had a month. I had two weeks to oh, do everything I had man. to get the book cards finish line. And I learned something though. I learned that it's, it's a lot easier than it might seem to clear everything off your desk and just yeah. focus on one thing for a short mm-hmm. period of time. And yeah, that's a good reminder yeah, of the yeah. fact that focus is not only necessary, but possible. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. And powerful. Yeah. And easy when, when there's a deadline, a deadline is so helpful to help you. Oh, focus. It's so clarifying because yes. all of a sudden what's truly important comes very clearly into view and right. it becomes easy to say no to right. all the trivia or right. the exactly. somewhat less important things, whatever, however you might characterize them. Exactly. My dog just figured out how to open up my office door. Well, so I'm we sure have... mine's going to do that soon. So we yeah. may have a two dog show at some point. So yes. Well, that's, let me hear that's that. probably yeah. the best part of the podcast. Really? Yes, probably. Yeah. But no. And so, you know, it's funny that you, you mentioned that, Mike, because I, I've actually just had a couple of conversations with people about their struggles to finish things. And it, and it was occurring to me, you know, that uh, in, the, in the original 12-week yearbook, you guys talked about the sort of emotional journey that people go on during mm-hmm. a 12-week year. And really, you can think of any new project as having some similar characteristics, you start a new book or you start a new writing project of some kind and it's easy. You're immediately in flow because you're just, you're overcome with ideas and excitement about the project. But if it's a long project, inevitably what's going to happen is, you know, the shine's going to come off. It's going to, the, the idea gets old. It's not as exciting anymore. And finishing takes kind of trudging through the hard part. And maybe the really awful, stale, gross part. And all the while, other yeah. projects that are new are shiny in a distance calling yes. your name. Yes. And so, so many of us start a hundred things before we ever finish something. So what, what is, what is that some 12 week year wisdom around finishing things? You know, it, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question. And if I had the perfect answer to that, I'd be too expensive to have on your podcast. Very good point. That, yeah. But but there are some things that I think are, are um, important to be aware of because I think awareness helps you get through things. If you're not, if you're not expecting something to happen, then it happens. It can kind of throw you. So, um, you know, change is a messy process and, and you can read a five books on change. You get five different ideas about how people change. Um, and, and so we have a, what we call the emotional cycle of change. And the reason I say all that stuff about the different, different views of change is that it's a model. All models are wrong. Some are useful. Um, and I think that one of the things that is true though, the model that we use is that it kind of describes the emotional journey through change, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned kind of the, the shiny new object, right? That's really important to get excited because it causes us to start. It causes us to yeah. begin things. That energy, that in uninformed optimism creates this enthusiasm that causes us to, to, to start a venture, right? So, so if we didn't have that enthusiasm, we wouldn't get started. It's a great, it's a great initial kick, right? But you can't rely on that through the course of a long project because you're, you're going to go through this emotional cycle of change. And so um, 
I think that what happens for a lot of people is that they, as they kind of have that, like the, the bloom is off the rose, you're kind of going through this difficult, um, unanticipated work. You didn't really think about other things are coming up. Like you said, that it may be more interesting. Um, and, and you kind of get diffused and you realize that this is a lot of work Mm. and you hit this point where you kind of get what we call the valley of despair. And and that's where most projects fail. That's where most books fail. It's more, most writing fails is you get to that point where, ah, you know, I could just stop the pain right now. I could just stop and the pain goes away. Right. And I can go find one of those shiny ideas and go jump on that because that's fun. It's an uninformed optimism and I'm excited about it. Right. So I think I think the tools that you use to get through that valley are the 12 week year. I think having a 12 week year plan, recognizing the progress you are making every week, if you're working from a weekly plan, you're recognizing the stuff that gets done. You're hitting some of the milestones in your plan and you're celebrating that stuff. That helps you to keep going. And, and what happens is, is that you think the valley is what it's going to be like to the end, but it's not. Because as you begin to get the chapters done, as you begin to get through these things and hitting your milestones, you begin to feel the benefits and you're getting more used to writing. You're getting better at what, at what you have to do to set yourself up for a good writing session. Yeah. And so you're learning how to write well, and the book is coming along. And so the, the results are starting to come online. And because it's, you're learning more about how to write, it gets easier. So, so you get out of that valley and it's not the, the mistake we make is thinking that we're going to be in the valley, the whole rest of the book. And you're right. not, it's just a period of time that if you work through, it gets easier, it gets lighter. And you, you start to see the, the end and, yeah. and you get that momentum back. So. Yeah. Right. As soon as, as soon as, you know, you, you can look at enough of it, that it feels like your momentum is now sort of snowballed and it's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. You can regain the excitement um, though. It's interesting because I, I think, you know, another thing that sometimes happens to people right as they're about to finish is they start panicking about what's going to happen when they do finish. Oh yeah. And, you know, so many people are afraid. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I was afraid with this recent book, like, okay, I'm going to finish this and then everyone's going to hate it. <laughs> exactly. And that slows you down sometimes. It does. And it causes you to rethink. Now, some of that, some of that fear and anxiety is helpful because it'll, it may cause you to go back and, and really make sure you've got everything yeah. right. I mean, you, you know, you don't want to put out a product that isn't your best. Right. right. Um, but at the same time, you can overthink things. And, and, and it, it, at one point you just got to say like, like, um, um, Ferris Bueller did, it was what, what the, I can't know if I can say this in your podcast, but what the uh, fuck you yeah. can, you can edit it out. and just do it. Right. <laughs> Yep. So I think Harris oh, Bueller said that first. I'm pretty that. sure that's a direct quote. So that's yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so, that. you know, just get it out, get it out there and see what happens. You get, yeah. if you don't get it out, you will fail, right? Failure is hundred percent guaranteed if you don't get it out. So just, yeah. but, but you know, it is, it is a personal thing, right? It feels like if I write this book and it's not good. And I, and I had this earlier book that was really successful. Now people are going to see through this, you know, okay. One, one shot, one hit wonder. And now this is going to damage my reputation, people are going to think less of me, all that stuff that goes through your head and kind of yeah. pointless. I, I, I think, yeah, there's really no way around feeling your feelings, but I think it's, it is, you know, and like you said, it's, it's important to be aware that they're going to come at you because then you won't be surprised and, and, and taken aback. And you can just sort of remind yourself they're, they're just feelings. They're not going to kill me. Um, and they will change and, you know, go away and morph into better feelings. Uh, once I do it, and it's never as bad as you, as you think, you know, that's one of those, I think, uh, pretty common things. We all, mm-hmm. we all share those kind of fears. Um, so w- when it comes to using the 12 week year for you, 
does using it for the, for writing feel any different to you from using it for other things? Do you find that you need to think about it differently or is it for you? Is it really sort of just at this point, you're, you're such a 12 week year thinker that really nothing needs to change when you, when you think about writing versus some kind of other task. Um, yeah, I think, I think that the 12 week is kind of autopilot for Brian and I, I mean, if you think about it, we've been doing this for about 20 years, right? So that's 80 12 week years, right? If I do my math correctly. A lot of so, you know, that's a lot of deliberate practice. And um, I think that, you know, we just kind of think in 12 week chunks. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I could, I don't even think I could, I don't know what to do with an annual plan. I don't think I know what to do. <laughs> so that's the easy part. I think, I think um, the 12 week year, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the book we just wrote accountability, it's a book about accountability. It's called Uncommon Accountability. But um, the that book, while it was easy to write the tactics, we struggled with thinking about how much time it was really going to take. Yeah. Right, the capacity side of this was where I think we struggled more than we probably should have. Mm -hmm. um, we overestimated what we could get done and yeah. how much time it was going to take us, just because we'd already written two books. Yeah. Kind of had a feel for it. Well, no. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between books. Some books take longer than other books, yeah. depending on what you know and, mm. and, and, uh, and what you have to do to get, get to the end. So um, that was, that was a challenge. And so I think um, for us, uh, what we have to do is, is if we, if we write another book, it's going to be to really clear the decks yeah. to not have 500 of the projects to really focus on, mm -hmm. on the book. You know, we have to run the business. We'll do that, yeah. but it's, it's not, we're not trying to build five different things at the same time because, because yeah. your time is finite and we yeah. underestimated what it was going to take. Yeah, no, it's a, that's really interesting. I, I was just reading a newsletter by uh, uh, a, a, a guru who shall remain nameless uh, just to spare his uh, feelings, but um, he's uh, just finished the manuscript for a book and based on his work from the past 10 years. And, and he um, admitted that it was a much more difficult process than he had imagined it would be. Because again, like, like you and Brian, he, he was just writing about the process he's been teaching for some time. Um, and he admitted that, in fact, what the, the only reason it was, it was finally finished is because the deadline started looming. And he really, he had this contract for a very long time and did all the work on the book in the last two months, which I think <laughs> tells you that even experts, gurus, and so on need help finishing. And so, and so deadlines are crucial, but, but I think your other point, this is something I've struggled with trying to communicate to people is how do I make a 12 week plan when I'm just don't know how long things are going to take. And, and I have two, I have two thoughts on that. One is that, you know, again, it's better than having no guess, right? Any guess right. is going to be better than I uh, have no idea. Um, and then the second thing is that, is that the very sort of the difficult nature of knowing how long creative tasks are going to take makes it all the more important not to plan any further out than 12 weeks, because anything, as you, as you move out that timeline, your ability to have any sense of when things are going to happen goes to zero pretty quickly. And so, you know, I, I, over time have learned what my kind of, I call it my speed limit is. I know about how fast I can do certain things, e even if I, it, 
because I've done a lot of similar things before. But if you're starting a new kind of a project, like you guys are writing a different kind of book. You didn't realize it at first, but you were. And that meant you really didn't know how long everything was going to take. Now, if you wrote another new book on a new topic, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you guys would bet it's going to take more like the second book or like this recent book than it would look like the first book. So you'll learn. You'll learn. I just hire a ghostwriter for the next one. That might even be a better (laughs) idea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You're right. That's absolutely true. I think, I think, you know, you don't know what it's going to take until you've done it, right? And so you've got to make your best guess, like you said. And, and it's very difficult to guess very far out of the future. So a 12-week a twelve week execution cycle is really ideally suited. You kind of see the next 12 weeks, kind of get a sense of what it's going to take. And, and then what I really like about your book in particular, Trevor, is that um, you didn't just take the 12-week year and, you know, just kind of force everything into the 12-week year. You kind of move time um, the, the concept of time blocking and time use right after the plan in terms of how you're thinking about it. So you could confront the capacity. Do I have the time available to write this book? And I think that's because a book is, is not part of the business as usual. It's something you're doing on top of your life, right? It's, Uh it's not, you know, the other parts of your life keep going, right? If you're working, you got a job, you you got family stuff going on, you got all the things happening around you that aren't going to go away. Uh So being realistic about the time you have available, it, you don't have to have a boatload of time, but, but if you don't have a boatload of time, then you just got to push back what you're going to get done in this 12 weeks. So it's going to help you to really think through because it's so easy to overestimate how much time you have. And because you overestimate how much time you have, you don't act with urgency and focus until you realize I can't, I can't do it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. All right. Well, Mike, you know, I think that's about enough time for one gab (laughs) session. We could do this all day. We've done this for hours, many a time, but um, I'm sure I'll have you back on at some point. We can talk more 12 week year stuff. Um, Mike, thanks again for all the insight and wisdom, man. Well, thank you, Trevor. I hope I I had a little bit of that and um, hopefully it was helpful for some of the listeners. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thank you.